You're listening to Beyond the Jargon, a jargon-free look at graduate students and their research here at the University of Victoria. I'm Colleen, and I'll be your host today. All right, I'm so excited today to have as my guest Carlos Sosa, who is in a doctoral program in the UVic's Mechanical Engineering School. Right? Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay, welcome. And so, Carlos, could you fill our listeners in on exactly what your PhD program is in? And then we're going to kind of backtrack and find out how'd you get here. Yes. Hello, everybody. I'm Carlos. So, uh, right now, I'm doing, I'm starting my PhD. Uh, I'm doing uh, mechanical engineering. The subject is composite materials. Composite? Composite materials. Okay, and what, what is that? Well, those are non-conventional materials um, that are lightweight, that are very good um, resistant, uh, have good mechanical properties like strength, uh, stress, and uh, fatigue. So, okay. So uh, normally they are used now in aerospace engine, uh, industry. Okay. They are uh, also difficult to manufacture in term, uh, compared to, uh, to metals. So uh, there's a lot of uh, research now uh, going on on okay. composite materials. So these are what someone would say is a manufactured material, yes, right? Yes. To- completely manufactured. You can, You're not going to go yes. out and just find this. You can think of it as a, a compound material made up of different materials. So you have a matrix made of, for example, epoxy or a resin, and then you can get fibers into it. The fibers are like embedded in that matrix. Okay. Right? Yes. So the fibers provide the strength of the material. Okay. The matrix uh, like warps it all up. All right, and which is incredibly important in aerospace, right? I loved space travel. I loved the idea <laughs> of it in the movies. I loved astronomy in school, and of course, I always followed all the liftoffs and whatever. And when you see one go awry, when I remember when when I was in college, the space shuttle exploded, right? Yes, and everything, yes, 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 yes. and everything comes down to one little tiny material not being able to withstand something can be the difference it's not the same as being here you know just on the ground that's right right. it becomes very crucial and that's Uh, what you study yeah that's right in in space engineering and in uh, aerospace as a general engineering uh, it's very crucial to be to be able to simulate all the materials and uh, to simulate all the flight conditions it's very important for us to understand how the structures behave, to loads, to thermal loads, to uh, to the environment, so, so that we can prevent those accidents. Yes, and a load means how much something can handle, right? Yes, That's yes. what that means. Exactly. Okay, so, all right, so this is really technical, right? <laughs> now, how did you get into this? Was this something like when you were, you were a kid, you're just like, oh my gosh, I totally have to work in the space program. I mean, I had that idea too until I went into a simulator and realized I couldn't handle small spaces. And then I'm like, <laughs> now I'm in theater and drama for the young, so go figure. Yes. Maybe I'll write a play about <laughs> space, but space travel. But Yes, I was, uh, since kid, I was very keen on, on mechanics. I, I always liked mechanisms, and uh, uh, I remember uh, spending a whole day building Lego stuff. Oh, nice. Uh, I love Legos. You know, so, yeah, I always liked those engineering MacGyver widgets. Yes, you know? yes, yes. Uh, so by the time I had to decide uh, which subject to follow at university level, I, uh, I picked mechanical engineering at, at first, but then there was like a new uh, 
brand new course uh, in aerospace engineering, which was a little bit like mechanics and a little bit like electronics. So we, we may choose the branch of that course. So I, I, ch I, I ended up choosing uh, mechanical engineering as a branch of aerospace. Okay, now so, did this idea to do mechanical engineering start at the beginning of your undergraduate career or did it occur as you went through undergraduate and you had exposure to different types of courses and then at the end you said I'm going to get a master's in mechanical engineering is that how it worked uh, yeah sort of so when I went uh, to the university I had no clear idea what to follow so okay. I liked aerospace just for the name of it just yes. for the sake of it because I like space I like aeroplanes I like you know all the the, the widgets that yes. I told you about but I had no uh, no concise and clear idea of exactly what to study. So that was my my first two years uh, was very were, were very theoretical. And then after those two years, I had to choose like the branch I had to uh, I, w I was like to follow. And this was in your undergraduate. And, and that was in my undergraduate. Okay. At the end of the undergraduate. May I ask where you went to school? Uh, it was in Portugal. Portugal. Uh, yeah. So I, I come from um, Technical University of Lisbon, uh, oh, Institute Superior Technic. We call it. Oh, uh, excellent. Sorry if I if I talk too fast. Is a uh, Technical Institute of Technology. We can call it like that. Brilliant. Love it. So yeah. So after those two years, then I decided to to choose the mechanical engineering branch. Right? Excellent. And then it followed three more years to finish my master's there in Portugal. Okay, so you went straight through. Yes, straight, straight through. through. Straight did you through. go to college right after high school? Uh, yes, yes and, yes. and did you go straight from your master's to the PhD? Uh, not exactly. Oh, not exactly. okay. Uh, but for yeah. through your master's, you were going, you had gone straight school, school, school. Until, yes, yeah. yes, school, right. school, school. Uh, and uh, but after the master's, I strayed a bit, so I um, took a little break. A little break, yes. Uh, I did uh, actually. I I made a break before uh, I ended my thesis, okay. my master's thesis. So I did a volunteer service for six months. Oh, excellent! So I was um, helping old people with needs, with special needs. Okay. Uh, I'm going. To, I, I was going to their homes to help them. I also worked in a, in a daycare center uh, where the old people gathered to play play cards, to chat, to. Uh, to be involved in activities. And what were you doing for them? Were you actually the activity organizer? Not actually the activity organizer because it was in Greece and it was very hard for me to speak any Greek. So oh, I, had, okay. I had the lessons there. I had some lessons, but even with less than six months is very few time, as you can imagine, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, so uh, actually, I participated in the activities. Not, oh, I, I didn't organize them. Okay. We had like two, two different tasks, as I, I, I can say. So one of the tasks was to go by car to the old people's houses because yeah. some old people, some elderly cannot move or they have a, an illness or disease. Right. Some of them were uh, were in the bed all day, uh, very bad. Some of them just wanted some company. Yeah, So we That's just wonderful. go there, cook some food for them. We would pick up some medicine for them. What um, a great experience. Yeah, sometimes they ask me to go to the bank to pay some bills, you know, those kind of stuff. So it's completely different from school, 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 which you totally. have been in, and intense school because it was engineering. So now totally. you've had this break where you're out doing something of direct service to the elderly. Yes. And what brought you back to school? Yes, then after those six months, my uh, volunteer service ended. So I came back to Portugal, and uh, so it was time to have a job, right? Okay. So I searched for a job. I applied for a job there. I uh, got a position in, um, uh, I can say, good good company, very good company in Portugal, uh, in the um, aerospace field, because, uh, yeah, they were uh, doing some, um, some components for the uh, new KC-390 uh, military aircraft for, uh, for uh, Embraer. Okay. Know? 
so I accepted uh, the offer and uh, I was there uh, six months. Six also. months. Uh, after those six months, then it was a big turn up because um, I started to be a bit unhappy uh, in what I was, I was doing. At that time, I lived with my girlfriend and she also was not totally happy in, in her work. Uh, she came from pharmacy, so she, she was like every day in the pharmacy doing things that she actually didn't like. And so we right. were like, uh, we were feeling like limited in right. what we were doing, you know. So uh, we, uh, you know, we stopped for, for a while to think about what we wanted to do. And uh, so we make this huge decision to uh, quit our jobs and to uh, which come is, back to uh, academia. Which is scary, but yet, a bit, a bit. you know, anytime you transition, I love it when people really listen to their intuition and saying, yes. this comfortable place I've been in is no longer comfortable and yes. I need to move out into the unknown, even though it's scary, yes. to be able to go where my, my heart and soul knows it needs to go to learn or whatever it is. There's a yearning there, something. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And so, okay, so you've done this now. So you're, oh, yes. you've had this full year off of school and now you've made the decision to go back into school. And what yes. happened? So then what happened? I uh, applied for a PhD in Portugal. Okay. And my girlfriend applied for a second master's in Portugal too. Uh, so we were both uh, studying and our uh, universities were very close to each other. So we managed to uh, be together all day. So okay. that was very nice. Nice. Excellent. Uh, yes. Uh, so it was like one year in, of PhD in Portugal. And then my professors, uh, one, of, one of my professors invited me to come to, uh, to Canada here to, uh, to this university. To the University of Victoria. A beautiful, yes, a beautiful place and a beautiful university. Yes. And so I applied. I applied here for a PhD too. And yeah, that's my story. And then now I'm doing, a, I'm starting now my PhD. You're starting. So yes. did your professor at your university in Lisbon work with the professors here in the University of Victoria? Because I too had a connection from the school I went to. They had known some of the professors here and that's where the recommendation came from, from my master's to get to here because it's yes, very yes. far away from where I'm from and it's even further yes. from where you're from. So it was more than just, oh, they'd heard about a program. How did that work? Uh, no, because I had um, two professors uh, as a supervisor, as I can say, or a co-supervisor, if I can say. Yes. One of them was in Portugal and the other one is a professor here in, in uh, this university. And that so occurred... he was aware of my work. So ah. I published, I published papers and so he, he was aware of every every paper I published and my research he was uh, working uh, in parallel with me and my uh, Portuguese professor while you were in Portugal what, so the, yes, the two yes, universities yes, yes, yes. were already working together for yes, you yes yes they are partners actually they they now are making a conference together uh, oh so wonderful they are the, I have the not chairs heard of, of the conference so uh, it's a long-time relationship yeah it's it's very good yes. brilliant yes i um, i really appreciate this cooperation between universities they break this huge distance between them and they bond together in research and exchanging and transfer knowledge which is very important because yes. you can get very uh, specially very specialized people uh, in one university and another very specialized people in another subject in another university and when you when they are together they can make much more you know yes yeah. yes exactly oh brilliant okay so now how long have you been in victoria so i arrived in the 21st of may which of now this year makes, yeah this year so makes one month yeah oh wow so About you're here like brand new yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm still uh, still seeing around, searching uh, for the the places to go. You yes, know? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. Um, I came from a place of uh, 
lots of farmland and whatever. So I wasn't on an island and I wasn't on the coast of an ocean. Uh, so this was very different for me. But I'm wondering, do you find it, you know, Portugal obviously has a lot of ocean coasts. Oh, yes. And so for you, yes. is that maybe something really comfortable to be on this beautiful island and have the reminder of the ocean? I mean, to, yes. because it's hard being in a new place, right? Yes, 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 you're right. Uh, well, here in Canada, I was very well received. Right. I was very welcome here. So far, everyone helped me out. People here are very nice. So in that, in that aspect, I am very good and yes. I'm very happy. So about about the place itself, I uh, so far I'm loving it because I li- I like these landscapes and the, the nature, yes. the animals free in the wild. Yes. Uh, we don't have that in Portugal. These uh, these um, wildness that you have here. Also, I came from a city which is uh, pretty metropolitan. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's um, full of full of life. That city uh, here is more calm, more relaxed in Victoria, and I yes. like that way. Yes. Know? With age, you uh, you start to uh, to change too. So yes. if I was a teenager, maybe I I, I was uh, I was getting bored here because it's very calm. Yes. But now uh, with age, you you start to to like different things and yes. look for different things. And now I I, I think I, I prefer something like this, peaceful and calm and people nice. So yeah, I'm very happy. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so now let's get back to your actual program. When you come in in a science program. From what I have seen, the sciences have one great benefit of no matter where you come from, you seem to automatically get put on some sort of team to work with. Whereas in my program, it was there isn't really a team. You're kind of on your own in the PhD mm-hmm. program, even though you'll have supervisor and committee and <clears throat> colleagues, but you're not necessarily automatically a part of a team. Are you a part of a team? And is it exactly what you want to study, or is it does it coordinate with your studies? Yeah, yeah, I understand what you okay. what you ask. So a PhD uh, normally is is very individual work. Uh, that 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 n- does not mean that necessarily you have to uh, uh, be alone and work uh, work alone. Yes. So uh, now I uh, make part of uh, of this composite re- research network. Um, although I'm doing independent research, I'm part of this uh, network, so I can I can okay. talk with the with people that are specialists. Uh, I can access some information to do my research. So, but but uh, yeah, the research is, is individual. Is yeah yeah. And so, what do you want? Where do you go now that you've had? You've done the undergraduate, you've done the master's, you've just started a PhD program. What do you do? How does that work for mechanical engineering? What do you take required courses? Are you? Yes. So uh, there are um, courses that are compulsory. You have to you have to take them, and uh, you can uh, then make extra courses. So um, now I'm apl- I applied for those those courses that are compulsory, and I uh, one that is extra, which is directed studies. Okay. Uh, after you do your coursework, you have to do the candidacy exam. Uh, the candidacy exam basically is a, an exam to see if you are apt, so if you are able to to uh, proceed with a PhD. Right? right, to go forward. Right. And also you have to do your thesis proposal, which yes. is something that I'm thinking right now in this moment, uh, which is a, a document that states your intentions, uh, a document that, that makes it clear what are the milestones of your of your research, right? Yes. So yeah, so that's basically um, the the guidelines that you have to follow to to do a PhD. So do you have an idea right now what you want your thesis to be? 
Yes, sure. Oh, you sure. you have yes, a specific yes. idea because I, I actually have, came I in with an I sort of idea, and then re- it actually ended up in the last minute. Uh, yes, yes, right, yes, it yes. I switched. That's what yes. I. It's normal, you know, because <laughs> because in research uh, sometimes you are following a path, and then there's a problem, and yes. when you solve that problem, more problems come, right? right and right. and uh, then you struggle because you thought you had the question for that yes, problem, yes. but then you find out that the problem is more complex than that. Yes. And that in that point, uh, normally you have to choose to follow another path, and that's why sometimes people end up uh, in a different way and end up uh, doing something that was not planned. You know, so that's Great. research is normal. It's, right, it's normal. It's normal. Uh, uh, research for me is a more more of a, an adventure. You know, because uh, you are uh, researching something uh, new, and 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 you are going to the unknown. Right. right. So that opens uh, a lot of doors and, and things uh, that you can that you can research. So it's very hard to plan with exactness, you know, yes. with precision, ec- uh, what you will st- study and with what you will research. Right. Because it allows you to be open to if you're yes. really going into the unknown. Yes. yes you yes, yes. you can't put limits on what exactly. you're expecting to find. You exactly. really have to be open to the true exploration. Yes. Although you have always to have a lighthouse. I'm yes. not saying that you come here, you know, you come here and you say, OK, let's go to no. You always have to have a lighthouse. That's a that great way you, to look at right? it. Yes. You always have to have a guideline. Otherwise, you'll be lost. Yes. In, this, in the ocean, right? Right. But once you are in the ocean, you can find many continents, right? Yes. So that's what that's I... That's a beautiful yeah, picture. What I, what I see. Yeah. Okay, I so where is your... What is your lighthouse right at this moment? What is your lighthouse goal you're, yes. you're kind of shooting for here? Yeah, so without without being very technical, yeah. um, my uh, my purpose in the thesis is to, um, to find out better uh, morphing structures. So structures... At morphing structures? Yes. And what, what is... Morphing structures are structures that can adapt to different conditions. So, for example, uh, there, there, you there, mean, there. When you yeah. say structure, do you mean a building? Uh, any structure in general. Uh, okay. Because I'm from aerospace engineering. Normally, my uh, application goals are are to uh, airplanes. So I'm talking about wings. I'm talking about winglets. Yes. Uh, I'm talking about uh, components of the fuselage, fairings, uh, helicopter blades. So there's um, a huge repertoire of of structures that may may be uh, eligible for for morphing. Are you looking for them to be more stable? Are you looking for them to be give you greater speed? I mean, what's your what's your uh, angle no, on this? No, the the goal is to make planes better. That means better uh, in better many performance, ways. Better, better performance. performance. So more efi- full efficient. Yes. Uh, less CO two emissions. Make the wings uh, with less drag. Yes. Because drag is the main thing in, in planes, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so that that that's the goal. That's the goal. Also, there are also um, another goals that um, are not so obvious but that are really important for example in in helicopter blades yes normally you you get a, a lot of vibration and morphing blades can also help to um, suppress vibration in helicopters and vibration normally is the source of acoustic noise uh, is also the source of uncomfortability. Uh, you, you feel uncomfortable. Oh yeah, if you are a helicopters kind of freak me out, actually. Right. I, so, <laughs> they're, so they're, they're, yeah. So that that's the main main goal. Yeah, right? exactly. And so, uh, as I was saying, uh, morphing morphing uh, structures can replace structures that are composed with two parts that are hinged together. Yes. So in a morphing component, you have just a surface that is smooth and continuous, and you don't have that hinge there. So you have to. So the 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 challenge is to actuate that structure, 
you know, so so that you can move the surface in a certain way and get a certain geometry without without right? a hinge, without, without separate a hinge, parts, without separate parts. Oh, right? that's brilliant! And how do you do that? I mean, that's my research. <laughs> <laughs> where do where does one start with that? I mean, that's a big. Well, there's uh, plenty of literature on that. I'm, right. I'm lucky because there's plenty plenty of research that was made. And uh, a lot of investigation made on that. There are uh, already some patents of morphing, morphing structures. So I'm just looking in new ways of doing it, better ways of doing it, if you, if you want. Do you have anything specific? Is there a specific part of the plane exactly that you that you would work on? Or do you always think in terms of the entire plane? Uh, no, I, I think in a specific component. Like, uh, as, I, as I said before, for example, a winglet of a plane uh, that is a um, more simple structure to uh, simulate. Yes. So the winglets, for the people that, that don't know, are those uh, those tips in the in the wings of the of an aircraft. The very those tips end? And the very end of the, okay. of the tip. And um, those tips normally are deflected upwards or downwards. Yes. And they they uh, sort of reduce the strength of the vortex that, that is formed in the tip of the, um, of the wing. And what does it allow you to do? Does it give you it, it gives you maneuverability? Actually, it's not for maneuverability. It isn't. Okay. Uh, winglets uh, is a, a way of reducing the dissipated energy from the the vortex shedding that comes from the tip. So you get better performance, better fuel efficient, if you know what I mean. Right? So it cuts through the the wind better. I mean, is this what we're talking about? To uh, you, you may think about <laughs> it. Yes, because yeah. you're really going to have to explain this in terms yeah. of someone who doesn't understand what vortex and all of that. I mean, yeah, I understand. It's, it's more technical now. Yes, so it's, right. Yeah, but I think for people, maybe it's more more uh, simple to understand the the wing itself, the flaps. Yes. Yes. So, the flaps are for maneuverability. Is to turn the aircraft. Yes. Also, uh, the flaps are uh, have other purpose, but um, they they increase the lift of the wing. Yes. And you're saying so that you're doing something separate from the flaps. You're talking about the I'm very, talking very, about very a edge. smooth, a smooth, continuous surface for the wing without without the the hinges that are present nowadays. Oh, so, okay. Um, it's not it's not a new idea, you know. It's it's right. not a new idea. Right. Uh, uh, the, the goal is to make it better, right? To um, to to see what is the state of the art on, in that, and uh, and propose new ideas. In that field. So when you so, come up with an idea, are you doing this by theory only? Are you actually physically designing a prototype? Or are you working on the full plane? Or are you doing some combination? So now... Um, As a student, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, I'm working more in the theoretical field and okay. simula simulation field. Okay. But uh, is, is a very theoretical. What I'm studying now is the material itself not a structure so far. Structure will be later. Later. So um, uh, it's possible to manufacture some, some simple plates and, and simulate them and see and compare the results. So yes, that, that is definitely something I would like to do in my thesis. But later, it may, it may be possible to manufacture a component. But a component. That's, that is, yeah, for something that, that is um, to be planned. So as a student, even through the completion of the PhD, you are going to be more in theoretical and then design and possible component. But the actual working on a plane would be, is that something someone does after they have their PhD? I mean, how does that work? Or do you want to take all this knowledge yeah. and go into university and teach? I mean, how do you have the practical bent or do you like the theoretical side or a combination? Yes. Well, 
Because I find that very interesting because yeah. to me, you would think, oh, this would be totally, totally practical. But there's a huge, yeah, it's all, there's uh, so much theory. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm working now more in the theoretical field because to be able to simulate those structures, uh, you have to have a good, good uh, theoretical background. Right. Um, because you are talking in uh, nonlinear uh, material behavior. You are talking in uh, uh, very big deflections and, and the distortions of the material. So uh, because of don that nonlinearity, there are uh, several uh, methods uh, currently available. And some of the, uh, some, or I, I, I will say all of those methods have uh, limitations, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, it's very important to have a very good theoretical background. And then uh, when you go to the experimental field, then you have to sort of connect both, see? Uh, the experimental field, of course, is always dependent on the, um, on the resources you have. Yes. So it's very hard to uh, plan in advance what will exactly be your experiment. Mm -hmm. So that, that is something that I'm working on now. Uh, but you asked me about what happens next. So yeah. if the idea works, what happens next? Yeah. Then, um, what do you do? The industry, normally, the industry is interested in uh, ideas that work. So if you can prove that it works and it's better, uh, normally, there's this exchange between university and industry, yes. and that's what makes the world develop, and that that that's the magic that is behind the technology development. Right? So, as a PhD student, you've come up with something, let's say a, a particular design, before you present it to industry. Now, to to throw in a little more of the business side of things, do you get a patent on it? first uh, yeah. or do you you know you know what i mean yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's possible it's, it's, it's possible yes do it's universities possible. put patents on their sure. things first sure. and then they just don't go and have an idea and say hey would you like this idea yeah that that's normal in in academia and in industry yes patents can can be can born in industry or they can born in in academia there's a, a very well known research group in bristol uh, working in morphing structures and um, they uh, did a really good work and really good research work uh, on on morphing trailing edges for for wing wings, and uh, they ended up with this patent uh, that the, of course industry uh, was interested in. Exactly. So that that that's yeah that's a goal. But to do patents takes takes a long time. Yeah. A lot, very long time. Very to long do, time. Uh, to do uh, to go from theory to practice to experiment and then mm -hmm. to a patent uh, requires also. Um, more people involved normally yes yeah. okay so ideally just to because we're now getting to the end of our time here and i find it so fascinating what would what would your ideal be for airline travel in in the future in the near future do you <laughs> see any to change to how things are besides the minor efficiency change or do you see a completely different vehicle i mean can i ask that am i going to sci course, science of fiction of course no it's not science fiction. <laughs> uh, i'm so intrigued by i'm so intrigued by this yeah i think uh the idea and the goal uh would be to um air airplanes and and air companies to make uh traveling by air cheap and aff affordable for everyone if you think of the name of airbus it's a buzz of the air, right? Yes. So it should be like a buzz on the earth. Yes. Why not? Of course, that uh, in the air, there are issues that you don't, don't have in the earth. So the security uh, is tighter in the air. But uh, still, I think the goal is to make the planes efficient, affordable, so, affordal, so affordable that only the rich travel by car. So this is uh, the goal. Oh, okay, <laughs> excellent. That's awesome. Oh, well, Carlos, this was so great. Thank you so much for coming in today. Again, thank you for listening to Beyond the Jargon on CFUV.